Tony, there's a lot of times that I don't particularly enjoy what I have to do, my job, and there are days that I love it, and this is one of those days where I love my job. And I do have an important announcement to make, and I know it's a busy weekend, it's a holiday weekend. A lot of you have already made plans to be at the Georgia Dome this coming Monday night, July 6th. By last count, there were some like 35,000 tickets sold. There are some still available. But if you're not in the proximity of Atlanta, Georgia, I would suggest that you get on the phone, call your neighbors, call your friends, and if there was ever a Nitro that you didn't miss, I would suggest that you don't miss this coming Monday night because it is now official. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the WCW champion, is contractually obligated to be in the Georgia Dome this coming Monday night for Nitro to defend the WCW heavyweight title belt <laughs> against what I feel is the number one contender, Goldberg! Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Welcome to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Before we move on to 1998, July 6th, at the Georgia Dome, World Championship Wrestling presents Monday Nitro. Before we go back to the past, let's go a little bit closer to the present and talk about Hell in a Cell 2016. What were your thoughts on this show, Patrick? I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. What do you mean? They did not deliver in the women's Hell in a Cell match. It was terrible. It was bad. I hated it. I don't care who I piss off saying it. Plain and simple. There you go. There are some things that need to be just left alone, and that was one of them. I thought it was okay, actually. I didn't really think it was that bad. It was... It was. I told you to make this work, it, there was going to have to be either something off of the top or blood. We didn't have either. Yeah, they couldn't even get each other through the tables. Right. So I mean, it was it was a bad idea. It was. I'm not saying there's going to be a lot of feminists out there that have been giving me shit already. So let me clarify this very very carefully. There needed to have been a woman's hell in a cell match. Yes, I agree with you. There should be restraints. The restraints that were put on them should not have been to make it stand out. To make it actually be more believable and realistic and make it actually sell, they shouldn't have tied their hands behind their backs. There should have been blood. There should have been more violence. There should have been something other than just a spot match. Because that's all it was. Well, yeah, all three Hell in a Cell matches were plunder matches, basically. Yeah. The Owens and Rollins match, the Cell's designed to keep people out. Well, Chris Jericho just walks right into the middle of the cage. I love that. And now it's a handicap that match. Was, that was entertaining as hell. And well, then, that was the best match of the night, yeah. regardless of the interference. But all three matches and the Roman Reigns and Rusev match, it was, also had a bunch of plunder. I was going to say, I was wrong on that one. I really thought Rusev was walking out the winner in that one. I don't think so. And uh, and so and I was wrong. Yeah. 
They also sabotaged the women's Hell in a Cell match by having two other Cell matches on the card and then putting it on last. And oh, by the way, not giving the fans the happy ending in Sasha Banks' hometown. So she loses. Oh, we called that one. We both said Charlotte was winning it. Well, they were pushing a streak. They've they've pushed. Now they made it. They're they're in love with streaks. That's all there is now. Yeah. But yeah, streaks are all the rage in pro wrestling. We went years without you know a real streak, but now we have the New Day about to break Demolition's tag team streak of holding the belts the longest, and we've got Charlotte who's creating this pay per view win streak in singles matches. So it's all about streaks, Patrick. I think there should have been something. Other than the 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes, however long it took. Oh, that injury? Of the back hurt, the hurt back, the hurt neck, whatever you want to call it. Like we talked about on King of the Ring 98. Mick Foley has ruined these stretcher spots for me. That was garbage. You know they're getting up from the stretcher. That was bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> that was terrible. It took really long, too. It did. And then she was tied up in the cables when they were trying to get her to yeah, the back. I mean, and you see him jerking her around, and you start, hey, hey, hey. They couldn't was, get the neck brace it on. It was a clusterfuck. It, it really slowed the match down right off the bat. Like, that's the very first thing that happens yeah. in the match. And I expected there to be something like... I was like, oh, okay, they're they're going to the side. So maybe this, they're actually, maybe they let the restraints come off somewhat. All she did was just, it set her up for a, a powerbomb. Nothing off the side of the cell. That wasn't a horrific bump. There if was it wasn't no, in a Hell in a Cell match, that would be a huge spot in a match. Yeah. In a regular singles match. But it was shit because all she had to do was just get right up under her and just toss her. I mean, yeah, it was. At least that table broke. Yeah. Except for the one at the end. Well, yeah, none of the other tables in the match broke, but that the announce tables, those are always... That one with Owens, though. You mean the uh, Owens powerbomb Rollins through the two chairs the, that are set up? No, through the table. Oh, the, yeah. The table under it, then the table long ways that was propped against the uh, the cell. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was an awesome spot. That, yeah, was a, that, that was a badass bump. I think that was the match of the night. I didn't think there was a lot of really good stuff on, the, on no, this pay-per-view. It was bad. And it I've was... got a bad feeling about Survivor Series... And I'll tell you why I've got a bad feeling about Survivor Series. Not Brock and Goldberg. That's a whole. That's a spectacle all of itself. I'm talking about these sur- traditional Survivor Series matches. Raw versus SmackDown. You've got the faces and heels on the same team. Right. Not only that, they just fought at the last pay-per-view. Like, you've got Rusev and Roman Reigns on the same side. Right. That makes no sense. But that's getting past all the logic loopholes and having the the bad guys and the good guys on the same side because, oh, they're brand loyal. They're really loyal to their brand. The fact that there's nothing at stake in these matches other than to just say, yeah, we won. Yeah. We beat you. I mean, this is very house show. It feels like something you'd see at a house show. Just Raw versus SmackDown. They've got to raise the stakes on these matches for them to mean something. Or else, i got to be honest with you, I'm not going to watch Survivor Series if... If this is what I'm offered. I mean, you're offered that, and basically it's riding on Goldberg-Lesnar. That's it. I know, but that'll only take 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'll just wait until the end of the night and watch that. You know, yeah. I'm not going to sit through. Just fast forward. And, expe- and now that this is the dual brand pay-per-view, it's expanded, so it starts at 7 o'clock. I'd see, I told you it's going to be four hours. Told I'm not going to watch a 45-minute fucking Survivor Series match with nothing on, on the line at all. Yeah. And also... Oh, it'll be... An, it'll be. I guarantee you the 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 five-on-five, five, like the main five-on-five five, Raw versus the SmackDown, the main, main one, uh, it'll go a good hour. 
over oh, yeah. hour 15. But for what? I mean, for yeah, what reason? No. I mean, there should be draft picks on the line or something. Right. Anything. Just give me something. There's not even a trophy no. at this point on the line. No. And a trophy does nothing for me, but it's something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we had Talking Smack, which picked up the slack of the fact of Raw being three hours, SmackDown being two. Now we have Raw's own little freaking talk show at the end. Well, so, they didn't do it on Monday. They only did it after the pay-per-view. Well, they're going to start doing it every Raw day. talk. Yeah, they're going to start doing it every Monday after. You think so? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Which, or I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I hope not because I think it's ridiculous. Quantity over quality yeah. is getting out of control. It is. So what are your thoughts on Survivor Series? It's shaping up to be shit. Yeah, I mean, and also all the and, champions and, and, are involved in these Survivor no, no, Series matches. That's what I'm matches. saying. No offense to Bill because I'm going to watch it for Bill's sake, but... Uh, other than that, it's it's shaping up to be just complete shit. It's well, I thought at least okay, they're gonna have some of the five on five matches, but then have a few title matches thrown in. No, right. all the champions are in the Survivor Series matches except for Intercontinental Champion Dolph Ziggler. So we have one belt that's not in this these five on five matches. The only way it'll be believable to me is if you have have like titles. Put line, titles on the line in the, the match, line. but in a Survivor Series match, that's that tough way, to do. Whoever pins the champion is the champion. Is the champion. So, like, say Rusev gets pinned by Miz or some bullshit like that, then not only is Miz the U.S. title, but the U.S. title goes over to SmackDown. Yeah. Or I, Roman Reigns. No, I'm just right, saying. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at. Like, obviously, Rusev isn't the U.S. champ, but I mean, yeah, I see it, what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like hardcore title stuff, man. That, yeah, you've got to you've got to put something on basis for, you know, because like you said, right now there's nothing. Well, if you thought if you think of pro wrestling as sports, the only reason people play sports is because something's on the line. There's a championship to win. There's well, I mean, a hell, goal. Fro- hell froze over. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series after 108 years. So <laughs> you've got to have some sort of goal. <laughs> it might take you. It uh, might take a while, but. They didn't keep playing baseball this time just to play it. And so at you the can't end of the have season, a, hang it up. You can't have a five-on-five match at Survivor Series, and that'd be your main event without having a goal. I don't think any of these five-on-five matches are going on over Goldberg and Lesnar. I think that'll definitely close the show. Really? But yeah, I, this this Survivor Series is looking to be a disaster, in my opinion. And yeah, it's gonna it's gonna. I don't know, man. Some some stuff's gonna change. It's gonna change fast. Earlier you mentioned Raw Talk and the idea of quantity over quality. Well, guess what, Patrick? Another hour of wrestling to watch because they're going to start 205 Live, a cruiserweight-only show that airs after SmackDown on the network and then followed by SmackDown Live. So they're going to do this cruiserweights-only show, which remember when they started this cruiserweight division, it's exclusive to Raw. It's only on Raw. Nowhere else will you see this. Well, here we are a month into this experiment, and where they're they're already giving them their own show. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Are they going to take it off of Raw? They are going to actually... Remember how the uh, reboot of ECW used to tape or shoot after the taping of SmackDown? So when SmackDown ends at 10 o'clock, they're going to throw some purple ropes on it, and the people there are going to have to sit through another hour of pro wrestling uh, at the SmackDown show. And they're going to, I guess, show it live at first. And so, yeah, here's another hour of wrestling. So now we have three. That's only going to be on the network. 
Yes, this is network exclusive. Okay, so we're not going to have have it on Raw. No, anymore? they're still going to be on Raw too. They're going to really confuse you. What the fuck? They're going to put these cruiserweights are now on Raw NXT. They tour with NXT. They're, they're on, on Raw, Raw, and they have their own show now as well. And that, that is going to be part of SmackDown. SmackDown. Well, it's not. They're not going to interact with the SmackDown people though. And oh, by the way, the commentators for it. Moro Ronaldo and Corey Graves. So now the Raw guy has to fly out the next day to go commentate this one-hour show that's only on the network. This is a cluster. Yeah, you said it cluster is. earlier. And, well, it it's is. there's already three hours on Monday. There's two hours on Tuesday plus Talking Smack, so there's two and a half. If you watch the pre-show on both these nights, it just never ends. I watch. I love pro wrestling. That is all I watch. You know yeah. That. You know that. As a matter of fact, other than NASCAR, that's all I watch. Yes, you can call me a redneck, whatever you want. I don't care. Anyway, but the fact that you're putting the cruiserweights on Raw, have them on with NXT, have them have their own show, and then making a SmackDown crowd who gets a, who buys tickets to SmackDown gets to watch the cruiserweights as well. I mean, shit, they're taking over. <laughs> They're I mean, everywhere. I mean, I don't mean it the way it sounds, but well, no, that's what happened. Is they, you know, they had this tournament. They signed all these guys. Now they're on the payroll. They don't know what to do with them. As we saw at Hell in a Cell, boy, that match was really lame for two cruiserweights. Like, uh, hey, I'm I'm glad to see Brian Kendrick. I'm I'm glad to see Brian Kendrick finally get you know a title back around his waist because the man does deserve it. You know, I mean, on Nitro, they would just incorporate the... They would just throw... Have cruiserweights out there. Yeah. Their matches, even though WCW never wrote stories for them, they would have killer matches, so you'd want to tune in or whatever. And so week after week, they've been booking these six-man tags. We don't... I don't even know who anybody is. They're just random. They're just random people. If you didn't watch... The Cruiserweight Classic, you don't know who in the hell these people are. No, you don't know and anything a, about I, them. I, I hate to break it to you guys, but there was a lot of people that didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because... Uh, I didn't watch it. Well, it being on the network... I know who they are, obviously, because most of them I've probably already been in the ring with. But for non-business, for straight just fans, and they didn't watch... The Cruiserweight Classic. They don't know who the hell these people are. Yeah. You've got to give backstories. Yeah. Truthfully, all we know right now is we know Brian Kendrick. And T.J. Perkins. T.J. Perkins. And T.J. Perkins likes saying video game things. That's all we know about him. We, his and he's entrance, got funky his, pants. His entrance is badass, though. I love his, I love his electric board, the whole, like, yeah, it's badass. But I think when he wins a match, he should have, like, a, oh, well, I can't say, well, never mind. I was going to say it could say game over, but Triple H is the game, and the game's never over, Patrick. Yeah, no, we can't say that, yeah. His his stamina should go up. His max health Yeah, should he should up. have a stamina bar. <laughs> there should be a counter. Bar. There should be a counter on the electrical board. Like, or just put it on the screen, like a regular video. Like, he's going into this. He's going in, into this with like plus five hundred or plus six hundred. Yeah, you oh. see, like his finishers times four. Like, yeah. and you know he's he's getting near the end of the match when you see him tick yeah. down. I think that's and in, yeah, two K seventeen. Incorporate the game. Put the make thing him, on the screen. Make him a human video game play. <laughs> go all out. Don't go halfway with just some references. Yeah. Actually, give him. Uh, a health bar and some finishers. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, we're writing the company right out of business. Yeah, this it's yeah. <laughs> TNA on Monday 
the end of the Billy Corgan era. We were three months in, and he's already out because the company was basically essentially sold to Anthem Sports, who operate the Fight Network out of Canada. So now TNA is is under new ownership. Dixie Carter still has a very a five percent stake in this thing, but she still Bro. is running the day to day. She's still a figurehead. Dixie, I've I've spoken with Dixie a time or two. Dixie Carter and the whole Carter family are great people. With that being said, they don't know shit about wrestling. Period. So TNA gets a reprieve. They can resume their tapings, and we'll have at least. A few more months of TNA, somehow. They always escape. They always kick out at two and three quarters. I'm telling you right now, Dixie Carter's starting to be like Hogan. and Just won't go away. Will not go away, and by God, if you have them on your show, you're for a long period of time, it's going to kill it. Absolutely. I mean, it's that simple. But uh, what was your thoughts on Monday night? <laughs> Good. I knew. I okay. Yeah, you can go on. I, I I was hoping this is how we would segue into with the start of <laughs> Monday Night Raw. Yes, you get a quick little few words and Paul Heyman. Yes, Paul Heyman comes out and is confronted by Goldberg. Goldberg is out there getting ready to call out Brock, do his thing. Paul Heyman comes out. Heyman sets up this whole about Lesnar's here in town, Lesnar's here tonight. He he's, calls out his, his he's, he's, he calls out Goldberg's son. Oh yeah. Anyway, but yeah, he teases the crowd <laughs> that that Lesnar's going to show up. So, he has some music. Brock, I mean, you know, Brock, you thinking Brock's coming out. Then I start thinking, well, Brock's not on stage, Brock's going to jump in from behind. I really started believing that. So, I'm looking in the crowd and I was like, well shit, where is he? And you see Heyman start laughing. I was like, oh, bait crap. and switch. It was a bait and switch. They even had me on that one because I'm invested in I'm invested in Goldberg. I'm invested into this match. I don't give a shit about anything else at Survivor Series, but I'm invested into this match. Even though Goldberg nearly botched the jackhammer. Okay. on Monday, well, we're, we're not there yet. Okay, <laughs> we're not there yet. So then Rusev comes out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Rusev's odd. Couldn't understand half of the shit he said. Anyway, I'm in rare form tonight, just by, by the way. You couldn't understand half of the shit he said. And you have Goldberg, who stands there waiting to lock up. Well, Rusev's not going to lock up. Rusev does this whole stretch bullshit and comes in. Goldberg locks him, locks his arms, throws a knee into the midsection, goes for a second one, and rolls his ankle. And then crap shoots right there on the fucking ground. <laughs> Welcome back. Re- Welcome back, buddy. Wrestles back up, throws another knee in the midsection, gets him up, hits the jackhammer, Heyman's standing over him, and all of a sudden you just see, bam, a giant spear straight to Heyman, which I loved. I thought that was beautiful. That was well done. But this is how you know that they're worried about Survivor Series and Goldberg. Because on the <laughs> on the replay, oh, they've cut that out. The, the, yeah, you're talking like I don't know, good thirty seconds, thirty forty five seconds after it had happened, they had already cut out the rolling the ankle and stumbling. <laughs> so I mean, let's be honest here. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge. Hey, he's older. He hadn't been in the ring in twelve years. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's human. He's human. Acknowledge it. If you acknowledge it, it's going to be more believable for when he wins. Because I'm backing, or more, or more believable when he gets destroyed by Brock Lesnar. I'm backing the fact that he's going to win. 
I don't think so. See, this is where you, me and you are going to differ. But I don't know. It may turn. <laughs> it may turn out straight shoot. Who knows? Well, but I mean, and if we it, won't see uh, Lesnar or Goldberg until next week because this week's Raw and SmackDown are overseas, so they're going to be pre-taped. Yeah. So no Goldbergler. Goldbergler. No Goldberg or Lesnar this week, but they will return next week for the Go Home Show. It's already time to go home to Survivor Series. If you can Man, believe that. Damn, golly. <laughs> This this pay per view every two weeks is getting old, dude. Especially for the big shows. It's, it's not too, for the big show, but it's, for it's, the big it's, shows. It's too damn much. And for me saying that, that's something. Back in the day, I mean, when they only had you know I mean, four a year or whatever. You have twelve a year. That's fine. And then do like spot shows every now and then of hey, a yeah, roadblock, SmackDown exclusive or Raw exclusive. You know, Bash at the Beach or. Great American Bash or Halloween Havoc, Clash of the Champions. Oh, they did that sort of. Yeah, yeah. something along those lines. But uh, this maybe ha- like a two-hour show this for ha- both brands once every four months or something. Just a side, a side show. I mean, I still think the one a month is okay. Oh yeah, I mean one a month, one a month, uh, one pay-per-view a month. Like yeah, and then ever two, every two, every quarter, basically. You have your Raw, I mean, you have your, your WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Do your co-brands there, and then if you're going to do your, you're wanting to do like, say, hey, you know, for, if exa- for example, the- if Raw's doing No Mercy, right, then SmackDown gets like just an hour or two hour long exclusive. doesn't have to be a pay-per-view, but a little exclusive type thing of... Just to hold them over until their next pay-per-view. Until their next pay-per-view, yeah. Don't try to work. This nineteen, this nineteen pay per views a year, dude. <laughs> God, but that's a that's a lot, though. I mean, that's a lot of pay per views. More is more. That's what they think. Well, and they've done all this research, this market research, where people want more content. They want new content. So they're instead of putting up the archives, like instead of getting WCW Thunder on the network. We're getting all this new stuff. Which makes no fucking sense to me, dude. Why? Because not? you've already got it on tape. Just put it on there. You have Thunder. You have. Like WCW Saturday Night, you have Shotgun Saturday Shotgun Night, Shotgun Saturday Night, Sunday Night Heat. Put that on there. Yeah. What's it gonna hurt? I mean, you got to pay a guy to sit in there and upload all that stuff. But I'd rather pay him two weeks worth of that to do that than make the rest of us sit here and suffer. <laughs> I mean, shit. Yeah. Trying to keep just trying to keep up with the new stuff. It's hard to go back and watch all the old stuff. It, it is. It's getting it's getting a little bit on the crazy side. What's your thoughts on Goldberg and his botch on Monday? I think uh, it's forgivable. You know, uh, the crowd they didn't turn on him. You know, they didn't right. start screaming "You fucked up" or whatever. So, right. what's your thoughts though on the fact of WWE not acknowledging it? Oh, they do that kind of shit all the time. Like I'm, I mean, I'm so over it. You know, like I can give out about them. You know, when when SmackDown was still taped or whatever, one reason I couldn't watch it, as much as I love wrestling, and even though nothing on SmackDown would advance the storylines, that was the main reason not to watch it. But the second reason I couldn't watch it is because all of that fake fucking crowd noise. I cannot deal with, you see, like, Titus O'Neil or Darren Young come out and you hear, Wah! 
and you hear all the crowd going crazy, and they pan around to the crowd, and they're just sitting on Everybody's their hands. Everybody's sitting on their hands. Yeah. I can't take that kind of editing, that that bullshit, how they just want to spin it for you. I don't, I don't like that. So, yeah, if they cut his botch out, yeah, it's spinning it. But it's not a big deal to me because we all know what happened. We all well, saw I mean, it. yeah. And in this day and time, that, that that's what plays with – that's what kind of pisses me off is – in this day and time, everybody's got a camera. Everybody's, everybody, everybody's recording. Everybody's it. recording in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It's already out there. There's no sense in trying to edit it out. There's no sense in trying to not acknowledge it because instead of just saying, "Hey, here he is. He's 49 years old, people." <laughs> yeah, he ain't been in the ring in 12 years. He's gonna make mistakes. He slipped. He slipped. He's a little rusty. Yeah, he better step up his game. He's got three weeks because he's getting in there with Brock Lesnar, and Lesnar's gonna fuck him up if he don't get better. Yeah, Lesnar was in a UFC ring earlier this year, so there's no rust here. This guy. Yeah, <laughs> this I mean, acknowledge it, go with it. It'd be a great, uh, st- you know, for Brock's next pro- uh, next promo if he mentioned it, like say, yeah. "Hey, I saw you slip out there, old man." You know, yeah. and just you can turn. You don't not it, just because something doesn't go according to plan doesn't make it bad. And, and, that's, see, and that's that's the shit you learn going through the indie circuit. Well, yeah. Plain and simple. That's the shit you, you just learn from life. You that's, learn to go on the fly. There's going to be, I cannot tell you numbers of shows where guys are like, oh, shit, there's a technical problem. We can't play music. Hey, you know what? It's an indie show and the show's got to go on. Walk your ass out there. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. You can talk loud, can't you? Yeah, then go out there and run your mouth while you're walking to the ring. You know, just let, because you're, let your wrestling do the talk. Just because your music isn't playing. Oh, my God. You know who didn't have music when they debuted, Patrick? Bill Goldberg. He did not. When he walked out to face Hugh Morris back on that September evening in 1997, he walked out to no music. No. I think Penzer did announce him. No, he didn't. He didn't even get no, announced. He didn't get announced until just, after. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's your what winner is oh, yeah. Goldberg. Yeah. Mean Gene tried to talk to him. He didn't even give an interview. No. So he had nothing. No. Except a big win. Which was great because if you go back and listen, uh, listen, they're talking about um, Kevin Sullivan was holding the pencil at that time. And Kevin, Kevin Sullivan told, you know, told him, listen, I don't, do not say a word. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. You cannot speak. We know this. Shut up. <laughs> go out there and if kick ass. If someone would have just told Roman Reigns that, it would have saved us a lot of trouble. A freaking men. All right, but we're hopping in our time machine. We're going back to July 6th, 1998, WCW Nitro. Just a week after King of the Ring 98. It's This was a, a tremendous two weeks in the world of wrestling, basically. Yeah. This was some of the hottest wrestling ever. I mean, in just a short span. And two free title changes. Well, two cable title changes. Yeah. That never happens. No. I mean, when one happens today, it's the biggest rating Raw did all this year was on the night they gave Kevin Owens the belt because it's so rare. Like, you have to watch those nights when you know. And I mean, so this was a very rare thing, and it happened to happen in both companies during this time. In the same week. Yeah, very, a week apart. Oh, I mean, but still, yeah. Yeah, very, very odd. Very, we'll never see this again. July 6th, yes, 1998. It is the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia, in front of 41,412 fans. A sellout based on the 
way that they set up the ring because yeah. all the stuff behind the nitro stage was blocked out. Yeah. So all those seats, if they had just said, you know what, guys, we could sell probably 10,000 more tickets. Why don't we just go ahead and change the set just a little ways? Just take or, the curtain down. Yeah. They could probably. That's, that's all it was, was it was the curtain hanging behind the set. If you take the curtain down, People still can't see what's going on underneath the, you know, going through Gorilla there. Yeah. Why not? They'd still want a ticket, though. Fuck yeah. Also hurting things is that they announced this match on Thunder, but we'll get to that in a second. They ran the Georgia Dome in January of 98, and they only sold, well, and they only had 26,773 fans. So this Goldberg match brought in an additional, basically, 15,000 people. So that's what happens when you actually advertise a title match. Simple it's crazy. It's crazy what happens when you actually yeah. book and announce what you're booking in advance. And actually do do what wrestling. And deliver. Yeah. And deliver. Not- Delivery <laughs> this was is something a- WCW had a problem with. Bait and switch. Delivery, yeah. If you actually deliver, then you're doing good. So Nitro starts with JJ Dillon. He's the president. Well, the kayfabe president of WCW, he's on Thunder. He's announcing that Hulk Hogan is contractually obligated. The 30 days, I guess, clause in his contract. Which I would, as a kid, watching WCW during this time, I would scream about all the time to myself because Hogan would violate this clause in his contract. Oh, yeah. All the time. He would go two and three months at at a time without... Having a title match. I know, and just like all the rules in wrestling, it's just so selective when they decide to enforce, you know, this stuff. But he wouldn't even defend it in matches that ended in a big smaws or whatever, you know, a big run-in. I want to know why in the hell he can take his weight belt off and beat the shit out of people with it. That's what I want to know. Because his... (laughs) Well, we'll get to that, too, (laughs) later on. That should be a DQ right there. We had a very face ref in that match later, by the way. We did. Uh, so, yeah, JJ's on Thunder on July 2nd. So in four days. And he mentioned there were a lot of tickets available at that time. I would like to have known how many tickets they had sold at that point. Because for them to announce this, they must have been shitting about shitting themselves about filling this arena up. It must have been only... They must have had half the tickets sold. They probably didn't have that. I bet you they had like 10, 15. But after that, it all took care of itself. On four days build... They're going to give away a match that... Oh, would have been one of the top highest rated pay-per-views in WCW history. Maybe even better than, yes, yeah, Starcade 97. Yeah. Which, let me look up how many buys Starcade 97 did. How did you read my mind? An estimated 650,000 buys for Starcade 97, which had a long build. This was Sting's first match in forever. And, so, and okay. over a year... In over a year, yes, Rafter Stingman. We're going to talk more about that here one day at the end of this show, actually. <laughs> but yes, so that did six hundred and fifty thousand buys. Instead, you're just going to give give this match away. <laughs> this match for, on four days build for free. Fair enough. I couldn't have bought it anyway because I had illegal cable, so we couldn't order the pay per view. <laughs> we couldn't order the pay per view anyway. I could watch the scrambled out version and listen to some of the audio. But I couldn't have gotten the pay-per-view anyway. So you couldn't it was, get a D-scrambler? To... I could have if, if if my dad... I could have asked my dad to like find one, I guess, at some point. But if that costs... The fact that anything of it costs money would have deterred my family from getting anything. <laughs> I remember going to friends' houses that 
had descramblers and watching a couple of events, but never the ones that mattered, Patrick. Not the the big big, ones. It was never the big. It was like in your house. The one I definitely remember watching at a friend's house with a a descrambler was um, No Way Out of Texas, uh, 98, the one that Sean had to miss because he was injured. Oh, And they subbed him out with Savio Vega. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. And it was, yeah, that was horseshit. Yeah. So we start with the Nitro Girls dancing to that... Music. I'm going to splice in some of the Nitro Girls' music because it's very memorable. That's the right. oh, oh, oh music. That's some, the, yeah. That's some Good 90s, dancing music. 90s music right there. WCW always had great music. I mean, <laughs> one of the best. We have Larry Zabisco, Mike Tanay, and Tony Schiavone. Mike Tanay says it's been an incredible 10-month ride. Yes, Larry has to turn to the crowd and po- does his nightly... What does this even mean? What is this... this He's giving... What does what does that mean? He's his, just, he's, his little he's, finger it's thing. It's his little bow. It's a little, little curtsy uh, kind of bow. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he does his Acknowl- curtain call. Acknowledging the fans, the living legend Larry Zbysko is in the house. Now this is the era of the split NWO faction. So yes. we have NWO Hollywood. They're out, including Hogan. And he comes out and starts off by basically saying this very thing: "I'm not wrestling Bill Goldberg." <laughs> <laughs> This match ain't gonna happen, brother. Number one, Goldberg ain't nobody. He's beat a bunch of jabronis out here. He's not in the same league as Hollywood. And the WCW's disrespect of not calling Hollywood or Mr. Bischoff, of not putting the right amount of money up on the line, this match ain't gonna happen. But for you, one or two Goldberg fans out here that want to scream Goldberg to the high heavens just to show you that I'm a fair man. I'm going to give you your chance to yell your stupid lungs out. I got a brother coming in a few minutes, an NWO black and white brother who you haven't seen for a long time. He called Hollywood up when he heard about this match and he said, Hollywood, I know you're focused on Bash of the Beach, it would be my pleasure to get this jabroni Goldberg out of your way. So to show everybody here that I'm a fair man, I'm bringing in an NWO brother. He's going to give Goldberg his first loss tonight, and you people can scream to the high heavens. There's no, like, lead-in to it. There's no nothing. His first sentence. <laughs> like, it's very, not, very first sentence is, listen, brother. Not going to happen. I'm not wrestling Bill Goldberg. Drops the mic and walks off. Now, that would have been awesome. That if they been. had done that, <laughs> I know that the company went under just a few years later. But we could have rushed it by three years had he actually just said, Hey, I know. Guess what, guys? Not happening. I'm out of here. Deuces. Yeah. So he gets on the mic. Well, first he talks about all the NWOites around town yeah, that have rolled yeah. out the black and white carpet for him. And then yeah. he says, Yeah. Hey, guess what? Tonight, not going to happen. Yeah. He's got a brother. He's got a brother coming in, an NWO brother, an NWO Hollywood brother, who's going to show up later and take care of Goldberg, put that punk out of his misery. And I thought this NWO Hollywood brother was actually NWO Wolfpack. Well, his tights would indicate that he was Wolfpack, but... I thought he was Wolfpack. I mean, he later became Wolfpack. I thought he was all along, truthfully, but proceed. Yeah. Well, so he announces he's not going to wrestle. Instead, he's going to have one of these other NWO guys do it. Did J.J. Dillon even read this contract that Hogan signed? Like, I mean, 
Hogan's Hogan, just, just making matches. He's booking matches on the show. Hogan doesn't give a shit about contracts. I his, know. He's an NWO wrestler. His contra- he's not even with. His contract says he can do whatever the hell he wants, and that's because they were stupid enough to give it to I know, him. I know in shoot, in real life, his contract is like that, but okay, kayfabe-wise, he's an NWO wrestler. He's not even part of the fucking company. In all seriousness, though, before we get, let's give a backstory on this. This whole thing that happened on this episode we're talking about was Hogan's plan. If you hear the backstory behind it, so I would recommend if you the Monday Night War series that's on WWE Network, go back and watch the the Goldberg version, the Who's you know, it's, I think they call it Monday Night Wars. Who's next? Because uh, I actually sat down after watching this, watched and got the backstory behind it as well, and it the, all of this was Goldberg's plan. But proceed. Oh, this was Goldberg. Oh, it was, it was Hogan's plan. I'm sorry. It was Hogan's plan to drop the belt to Goldberg. Wow. The, is that I mean, so if you do one nice thing your entire that time was, there, you can always say, "Hey, brother." That was his. his that was his call, and to well, because hear, he knew the rest of his year was booked with like, uh, oh, the Ultimate Warrior, and yeah, that was bullshit, and uh, Dennis Rodman, and uh, Carl Malone. Malone. Yeah. So he's got other stuff to do. He didn't care. I mean, this belt. Hogan is also, for some reason, Hulk Hogan thinks that he needs this belt. The biggest icon. I mean, he says it himself, the biggest icon ever. In he, doesn't, he doesn't need a belt around. Like, Ric Flair doesn't always need the belt around him. We know who he is. Ric Flair is the greatest of all time. I know, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't need to be champion. Ric Flair, perfect example, it's, you know. I, I get what loves to drop the belt. I loves to, because he loves to give that rub on people. <laughs> yeah, without that rub from Ric Flair, we wouldn't have Sting. Well, we right, wouldn't, we wouldn't have had Luger. Uh, Hogan didn't like giving that rub. I understand that, but he doesn't. And, and that's what made Goldberg is because, believe it or not, Hogan actually, for once in his oh my god career, gave a little bit of a rub. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't just do you can't lose the belt one time in your entire WCW career and then show up on these DVDs saying, "Oh, brother, look at me. what a good sport I am, brother." No, I agree. I agree. Okay, I agree. We're getting right. off topic, but well, we have to get off topic because the rest of this show is kind of shit. By the way, <laughs> I didn't realize how bad it was when I was a kid. This was probably the greatest episode of Nitro <laughs> I'd ever seen. Then we go to a commercial for a Hulk Hogan shirt. $22 for that Hollywood Rules shirt that he's been rocking for years now at this point. What was crazy is because at that time, if you go back and look, WWE was selling theirs for 15 Wow. It's a shirt war. It's not just a Monday night war. They were selling, their, they were selling theirs for... With $15 shipping and handling, no, probably. they were selling theirs for 10 with $5 shipping and handling. So 15 against WWE, or WCW's 22 with seven dollars shipping and handling, so I mean, shit, almost thirty <laughs> bucks for a shirt. It's cheaper to just buy a ticket to the Georgia Dome and go buy a shirt. Yeah, this show they needed a lot of sponsors for this show to make it happen because Valvoline is sponsor is sponsoring tonight's broadcast. Brian Murphy won Mark Martin's number six car last year, the Ford Taurus of Mark Martin and NASCAR racing fame. And they're going to give one away another one this year. Every WCW show we watch, they're giving away some sort of motor vehicle. Vehicle, yeah. They love it. You know, 
They've got the need I for speed. I want to know what what happened to those cars. Because at you, least at least with this, like the monster truck, if they actually like they didn't give that monster truck away, as we discussed, they gave some right. pickup truck away, right? During that, but well, they was, actually gave a Mark Martin NASCAR NASCAR away, a stock car, a, yeah, a NASCAR not stock car, a street legal car. You this, cannot drive on the road. Regular gasoline does at not least run this it. Will fit, it. Oh yeah, that's right. He used leaded fuels at the yeah, time. Yeah, he used it unleaded nitro fuel. You regular gasoline? Hell, you can't even drive it. Yeah, it's not street legal. You have to have a it has perm- no headlights. You have to have a permit to get the fuel for it. A specific- yeah, it's, air- it's airplane fuel. It's jet fuel. Yeah. So, I mean... At least you can put it in your garage. That's really all you can do. Because that monster truck, I mean, that'd just sit out in the yard. You'd be the... you get a lot of notes from your neighborhood association about your monster truck in the yard. Hey, I, I need that move, brother. What was funny is that Mean Gene asked this Brian Murphy, like... How often do you get it out on the street? And the Brian Murphy guy's like, oh, all the time. He just admitted to breaking the law then. <laughs> Don't get that on the street. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and then... I wonder how he got gas for it. So Got the fuel for it. Yeah, to not be able to drive it anywhere. He just gets to sit there and rev it up in his garage. I guess it came with an original tank of gas, I'd like to think. And he just... I bet to this day he's still got the original tank of gas in it because he can't drive this thing. Well, man, I want to know what happened to him, though. Because, I mean, obviously somebody's not just letting it sit there in their garage forever and a day, amen, for no apparent reason whatsoever. What? Because they gave what? In the, in, the, in the lifetime of... Oh, man, motorcycles. WCW. They a gave, Harley well, Davidson. I mean, they gave a, a Mark Martin number 6 Valvoline car away every year. Every this year, is the second year they every were doing year it. Nitro was was going. They gave one away. They gave away motorcycles. They gave away that monster truck top deal. Some sort of truck that cluster in itself. So I mean, I want to know what happened to any of them. Just be like, hey, I won this vehicle off WCW Nitro. Take it to WrestleCon. Show it to Something. us. Something. Yeah. Like, there are fans out there that want to know actually what happened to these vehicles. What's funny is uh, Gene wants to show off the car. So he's like, hey, Brian, will you take a couple steps out of the way? This Brian guy that won the car last year takes, like, one step to his left. <laughs> so he's still blocking the entire car. And so, yeah, you're not going to get to see it. 1-800-TEAM-VAL. You can call and maybe win you a motor, motor car there. I'm going to get right on that right now. Yeah, I'm not calling this this number. I, I did call uh, the Manhattan Center a few weeks ago. Yeah. Turns out that number goes to Stanford, Connecticut. So this was some. This was probably I probably called Titan Towers. You probably, probably did what actually. Yeah, which how would they? They shouldn't be in charge anyway. They wouldn't be in charge. What's of, the number for WWE headquarters? I think we should call them on air right now. Well, they're closed because it's it's the weekend. Hey, there's somebody there. We can talk to a security guard. I don't want to talk to the voicemail of WWE headquarters. <laughs> I'd prefer they not know who I am. Why? Well, because I use a lot of their clips in these broadcasts, <laughs> well, they, and I don't want to hear from their lawyers. Hey, they know who I am. They are. <laughs> I've heard from them already. So, all right, proceed. Dean Malenko is out next. He's going to wrestle Booker T for the TV title. So the first of what turned out to be three title matches on this show. Booker is already booked in a match for Bash at the Beach against oh, who'd you say there? Uh, Bret Hart? So you know how this match will be going. Booker T gets some basic offense in, misses a missile drop kick. Malenko goes for the Texas Cloverleaf, but Booker counters it into a cover for two count. Then Malenko tries an axe handle smash, but Booker counters with a sidewalk slam. The spinner Rooney 
Malenko hits a high cross, and then they both go to the outside, but Chris Jericho appears on the ramp. He says he's sick and tired of Malenko running from him. It's just about. Hey! Someone's got a microphone. Who's saying hey? Right. Hey! Oh, that's all. Dino Machino! I'm sick and tired of you following me and running for me each and every week. So tonight, tonight, come on out here and face me. The time has come for us to settle this once and for all, Daddy-O. So come on down. Come on down here. Oh. Axe kick in the back of the head. One, two, three. Pretty apparent what went down right there. Malenko looking out towards Jericho. Did not see the axe kick coming. And they caught him in the back of the head. And Booker T retains the TV belt. Well, guess what? This distracts the brilliant wrestler. Dean Malenko is distracted by Chris Jericho on the microphone. And he gets axe kicked by Booker T as he steps in the ring. <laughs> he gets pinned. And while he's getting pinned, Jericho laughs <laughs> into the mic, which is very funny to me. I really yeah. enjoyed that. And Booker T retains his title in 342, making Dean Malenko look like a fool. This was a good match, though. I mean, well, it had the potential to be. 342, all these matches. Well, some matches could have been cut completely, even at two whatever they ran. This match I would have liked to see more of. Yeah. But we got, you know, we got stuff. We got cars to give away. We don't have time to put on wrestling matches on this wrestling show. This is a three-hour show, by the way. This is the three-hour era of Monday Nitro. Twelve matches on this card. Okay. <laughs> Twelve matches oh, we're gonna be on, here a three, all day. on a three-hour show. The longest match was only eight minutes. That's a lot of talking, dude. Well, That means, of- truthfully, there was only maybe an hour's worth of wrestling and two hours' worth of jawjacking. Yeah, I could, actually, I could actually time it up at the end of the, the podcast here and tell you how many, how many minutes we spent in the ring, Patrick. We go backstage. Goldberg is in a completely dark locker room working out. There's only lights from the TV cameras that are filming him in this dark locker room. He's doing, like, push-ups and stuff. He's getting psyched. He's getting pumped. He's getting jacked. We get a pre-taped Carl Malone promo. He's pissed that Rodzilla, Dennis Rodman, won't be here tonight. That's pretty much all he says. Rodzilla didn't show. Up next, we have Raven facing Chris Canyon. Canyon attacks Raven and Lodi, who comes out with Raven, on the ramp. Canyon, <laughs> I don't have, there's, I only have like four lines this match, so hang with me for a second. Canyon hits a swinging neck breaker. They end up on the outside and Raven is thrown into the barricade. Canyon gets a chair. They get back into the ring and Canyon hits a shitty flapjack out of a fireman's carry. It looks like a really bad F5. Yes. And he does this onto a chair. So he yes. F5s Raven onto a chair. Then Lodi catches Canyon by surprise as Canyon was going for a top rope move. Raven superplexes Canyon onto that chair. Then Perry Saturn runs out. And this no DQ match got DQ'd. <laughs> got DQ'd in two minutes and 15 seconds. Saturn hits the Death Valley driver on Canyon. He takes ages to set up a table on the outside. The timekeeper keeps ringing the bell. Tell the timekeeper to quit ringing the fucking bell. I know the match is over, okay? I get it. You're just making sure. Then Saturn puts Raven on the table and dives, but the table of Japan will not break, and he splats onto Raven. 
and thuds onto the ground. Slides off. (laughs) Canyon then hits a flatliner on Saturn, but the cameras basically miss it. And there you go. The ballad of Raven and Chris Canyon. Mortis on this Do you like, do you miss the character of Mortis? I liked Glacier and Mortis and those Mortal Kombat stuff. Mortis was a badass character. And Glacier, I loved the Glacier gimmick. So I really kind of was hoping Canyon would have stayed with it. But, uh. So we go outside. There's a limo pulling up. And the real star of the show, not Goldberg. No. The real star of the show pulls up. And I'm not talking about Buff Bagwell who gets out of this limo. I'm talking about Judy Bagwell. (laughs) Buff Bagwell's mom, who is here to bring her son with a broken neck, who broke his neck on an episode of Thunder, a uh, botched bulldog from Rick Steiner, broke Mr. Mr. Bagwell's neck. And so now he's coming back to update us on his yeah. condition. The world was patiently awaiting Buff Bagwell updates. Yes. So he's here tonight. Buff still wrestles to this day, so obviously his neck is, is healed. That's right. We go outside to some of the fans before the show, some pre-taped fan stuff, and the fan says, Goldberg's going to win. Hogan's got two things to think of, the spear and the jackhammer, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. So I hope he, if he's thought of those two things, he's got a good chance then tonight. Because that's all Goldberg knew. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that's far off on what I saw from these matches. We get the uh, Nitro Party promo. Patrick, do you know where the... First Nitro Party was held. The very first Nitro Party was held right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the UTC campus. Yeah, it was a fraternity at, house. What, which which fraternity? I couldn't remember which fraternity. Not sure. I actually know one of the fraternity members. I actually know two of the fraternity members that, that were, were at, that were there that night, but I don't remember which one it was. I tried to go, you know, but I. But you were a child. I was. So. I was eight. Yeah. So, so. you weren't going to get into that frat party. No, I was eight, and they they wouldn't let me in. We get highlights of last week's Nitro. It's very odd that they just show last week's. Highlights here. So they show some highlights from last week's Nitro with uh, Malone and uh, DDP. Steve Mongo McMichael. Oh, my God. A dark interview set with Steve Mongo McMichael, who... Who is talking shit about... Double A. Because Double A needs to, you know, get it together and reform the Horsemen, Patrick. This is during uh, Ric Flair's lawsuit and his time away from the company. This would culminate in his big return in September. So this is basically one of the... Uh, I, I love his return in September. That was a great moment in WWE, or in WCW history. It's a great moment if you know what's happening. Now, here's the problem I had as a child. I did not know what the fuck was going on because it seemed like Ric Flair was just there to me. I noticed that he had been gone for a little while, yeah. but I didn't see what the fucking big deal was. And then all, and the horse, I never knew they really broke up. It yeah. always seemed like they were together, even if they weren't you know, wrestling, because... Benoit always had the 4-H on his tights or whatever, right. so it's like... I mean, Mongo was off TV for a while, but that's because he sucks as a wrestler, so... Mongo should not have stepped in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Period. So, unless you were a hardcore wrestling fan and were aware of the situation with Ric Flair... Oh, also that Four Horsemen reunion... That thing with Bischoff at the end, that made really no sense to me. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? Like, Even though that was technically part of the lawsuit. Well, yeah, but it's anyway, like... For for kids, 
for yeah, just for casual fans of the show, not even just kids. Like if you're not reading the dirt sheets, if you're not getting on, you know, at that time it was like ProWrestling.com and reading, you know, the scoops or whatever. Yeah. You have no idea what any of that was about, but that's another episode of Nitro. Anyway. So then, here's another big star of the night. It's Scott Putsky. Scott And his Pudsky. cowbell intro music. I say he's in Gangrel's frilly shirt and jacket. <laughs> he looks like a rejected brood member coming out to the yes. ring. Yes. Yes. Scott Putsky looked pretty rough. He'd seen better days. His uh, This must have been an off cycle for him. Because Going against Scotty Riggs. The Battle of the Scots. That's probably why they booked this match, honestly, is because they looked at the roster and they said, who's here tonight? Scott. <laughs> You'll wrestle Scott. Yeah. And that's... that. They they should have had Raven be Scotty Flamingo, and they could have had all the Scots in the ring. Scott Hall. Scott Hall. Scott, <laughs> it was a night of Scots. Scott Norton. We wow. Could've, we could have done a lot of Scots. Dude. I mean, we could have... The rowdy Scott, Roddy Popper. I mean, we could have <laughs> yeah. ran with Scott. Like, you know... You know, the first time I saw Mr. Putsky here in WWF when he had his very brief feud, I believe, with Brian Christopher, he was so roidy that I thought he was the ultimate warrior because he wore, like, tie-dye, speedo, and he was jacked out of his mind. But this is... Yeah, Scott Putsky was a... uh, (laughs) I say was, still is, uh, if you've seen him lately. He's still ripped. I mean, he's, he's, he's jacked up. Yeah, Scotty Riggs will face him. He has no entrance theme. He just walks out. This is this is the. He's flock. got a problem with his. Yeah, this is the flock has no music, even no. though Raven had music. Well, that's because Raven was the leader. The well, rest then that's of how them, the NWO should have been. Them, Hogan should have. The rest had, of them needed to bow down and listen to what he said. So I agree. I actually I think that's 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 why you didn't have. That's why the flock didn't have music, but Raven did. Yeah, Mr. Scotty Riggs, who. Wrestles with an eye patch on, who claims to this day that his eye injury was legit, but we'll never know. And I highly doubt that the patch was necessary for the years that he wore it, because wrestling with one eye would be very de- your depth perception. You'd be th- you'd be you'd missing be f- punches all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be fucking up all left and right. You'd look like Goldberg on Monday night. You'd oh, be, oh yeah, exactly. But up, up. Scott Putz, he hits a snap suplex and some snap mares. A lot of snapping for Scott yes. Pudsky. A tilt-a-whirl slam for two on Scotty Riggs. Riggs' only offense was a clothesline from the apron to the floor on Scott Pudsky. That's pretty much it from Mr. Riggs. They try running uh, cross bodies on each other, and they slam into each other. Then Pudsky fires up, hits a back elbow, and calls for the Polish hammer and flaps his hand like a bird for calling for some move that he never got to hit. Because Riggs cuts him off. And then Putsky hits the D'Lo Brown sky high for the win in 4 minutes and 13 seconds in what Tony Schiavone legitimately calls the biggest win of his career. You know what's sad? Is that probably really was. <laughs> I know. And, oh, and by the way, the sky high here was called the Putsky bomb. That's what he called it. That was his creative name for the Putsky bomb. There you go. That's brilliant. Well, he did certainly bomb on this episode of Nitro. Oh. 4.13. It went twice as long as Raven. I, I, and I, I want to make a note on this, because before we get too far away from it, before this match, you had Scott Hall getting out of a limo. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay. I didn't mention in, that. In his hand, uh huh, he had a beverage. Yes. Keep that in mind. 
proceed. Okay. Now, we get we go back. Oh, check in on Goldberg. Go back, check in on Goldberg. Goldberg's getting popped. He's near the breaker box. Yeah. That breaker box didn't know what, what it was in store for because he headbutted the breaker box. Yes. That's just stupid. <laughs> so you're going to injure yourself. You're going to concuss yourself before your big match. He's getting popped. Oh, well, we go back this out. is what I mentioned. This is actually when Scott Hall steps out. Oh, is this with Scott Hall? Okay. My, I wrote it down. That's no, okay. I wrote it down backwards. All right. This is when Scott Hall steps out, and you find out that the mystery brother of the NWO that's going to be taking on Bill Goldberg. He's such a brother, he didn't arrive with the rest of the NWO? Exactly. What kind of treatment is that? Exactly. Well, it's probably because Scott Hall you know, lives near Atlanta and was... <laughs> yeah, he probably, they probably just checked him out of rehab to come do this match. He was he was he was drunk, and anybody that says he wasn't was wrong. Jericho is out next. He says, "Guess what? He doesn't want to fight Dean Malenko at the pay per view. He's pulling a Hogan. I hate a little his, Hogan. I hate his. Why in the hell did they dub his WWE music in over his? WWE? It's very weird. Did you realize? Oh that? yeah, yeah. I've noticed this for a while on there." And, and Raven's music was his dubbed over WWE theme as was well. Was it really? Yeah. That, See, I didn't notice that one. That crow sound and all that stuff. Oh, uh, really? I didn't notice that one. Yeah. Um, because those, and also like DDP's song. The, Chris Jericho's WCW theme and DDP's WCW theme, and I guess Raven's too, are like knockoff covers of real songs. And I think that they're so close to the real song that WWE is scared to run them again. Because like... Uh, well, they can't. They're, all they're doing is playing video footage of stuff that already hard. existed. So they they're not legally liable for. So why in the hell? Would they? I don't know. It's, I think there was some sort of lawsuit. I've tried to research this before. There was. I think there was some sort of lawsuit. DDP. But you shouldn't dub over that. <laughs> Break the walls down. So he has his WWE theme before he debuted. Yeah. In the WWE, that's impressive. So Jericho's out next. He's going to pull a Hulk Hogan. He doesn't want to fight Dean Malenko at the next pay-per-view. He wants to fight Ray Ray, Ray Mysterio. He'd rather fight him at Bash at the Beach. J.J. Uh, Dillon comes out and reminds him that there's no touching before the pay-per-view match between Jericho and Dean, or they won't be able to go to the match. So Jericho accuses Malenko of being a talentless jobber, which is also lingo I wouldn't have understood as a, as yes. a casual fan. But then he goes on to say some really bad stuff. Hold on a second, crazy man. So you mean if Dean Malenko touches me after I say your mother wears army boots, then he's suspended? If Dean Malenko touches me if I say you're nothing but a talentless jobber, then he's suspended? If Dean Malenko touches me if I say your dad must be real proud of you, and he would probably love to shake your hand. If only he was alive to do so. You're suspended? You realize what he's trying to do? Oh. Don't do it. He's trying to bait you. Come on, you're the Iceman. Don't go for this. You got what you want Sunday at Bash of the Beach. Don't let him suck you in. Have you ever stopped to think for one minute, he's not going to go for this? And you keep running your mouth and putting your foot in it, you're going to have to face him in a no-disqualification match on Sunday. You keep saying what you're saying and going into that match, you're just asking for it. You're right, you're right, you're right. But wait, there's one more thing I want to say, Dean. You and I have a lot in common. I know you don't think so, but you and I are two of a kind. 
Your father was a pro athlete. My father was a pro athlete. We both grew up without our father's guidance. We both grew up with our fathers on the road, missing him, just as your young daughter misses you while you're on the road, Dean. And think about your dad. Think about how lonely he must have been. Every night in a different city, every night in a different hotel, he must have craved human companionship. And think about how hard it must have been for your mother. And have you ever wondered why you and your brother look absolutely nothing alike? That's enough. Oh. That's enough. He snapped. He snapped. He reminds Dean that his dad is dead. Yes. And then he claims that his brother is illegitimate. And that's too much for Mr. Malenko to handle. And he strikes Jericho in the face. Now, what's stupid about this is that Dean's Malenko, Dean Malenko's brother had been featured on Nitro within the... I'd say a year. And he does look a lot like Dean Malenko. So this this comment is so stu- that this is the one that causes yeah. Dean to lose control that his brother doesn't look like him. His brother looks a lot like him. <laughs> they look all the all the Malenkos, I imagine, look exactly the same. Well, I'm on a I'm, This raises an eyebrow with me. When when is too far? When can you verbally go too far and mix the lines of Reality and wrestling. Well, Jericho and Malenko are friends, and I'm sure they talked about this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I still, I, I love, love to watch Edge wrestle. Okay, perfect example. But when he did 2004, I think it was 2004, a in-ring verbal assault with Michael Hayes, and puts down the fact that, hey, you know what? It's because Terry Gordy's dead. Or then you get to yeah, where... Yeah, Batista said Eddie Guerrero was dead one time in a match. Yeah, you know, at a certain point in time... And then one time Paige told Charlotte that, oh yeah, your little brother's dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At some point in time, I understand selling selling the hatred. That's a little too far, dude. Oh, I think that's the a little... brother jab was was The brother good jab, fun. yeah. I'm, I'm, under, I'm understanding that, but I'm saying this is the perfect point in time. I'm talking about the dad. I, I, talking about his dad being dead, talking about... That's a little too far, dude. That's Well, his dad was a wrestler, too, and probably understands, you know... And his dad was dead at the time. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah, clarify yeah. this. Well, that was real, yeah. So, But that's what I'm saying. When you're taking it... When you're, what about when it's not... Well, what about when it's slightly true, like when Boss Man is dragging around a, a casket of Big Show's dead dad on his Blues Brothers mobile? What about those angles? See, I still, I just, I, I don't like that. That's that yeah. spot. That whole, I thought that was way too. You start really bringing in death into it, like in the fact of its real death. Somebody really has died, well, and is, <laughs> and you're, you're, that's, that's too far. As prominent as premature deaths are in wrestling, I think that's the problem too that I have with it most of the time is just that a lot of wrestlers are dead and die all the time, you know, and so... And die, I mean, and die tragically. Yeah, so, yeah, I I agree most of the time, but I I, I really didn't have a problem with this particular... No, I didn't either. I just wanted to throw that out there like, hey, that's, you know, it's the first one we've come across, so... Dean gets arrested. Oh, not yet. No. Dean gets... (laughs) No, not yet. Dean gets sent back to the back. Ultimo Dragon is going to fight Jericho for the cruiserweight belt. So actually, there's four title matches on this show. But Dean runs out and DQs the match in two minutes and 14 seconds. Then they arrest Dean. Yes. Dean Malenko is so mad, he tears out Chris Jericho's hair, which spoils the next segment of this show. (laughs) But Dean Malenko rips Jericho's hair out, 
They go to break. We come back and we realize that Dean Malenko has been taken to jail. Yes. He was arrested for assault in a wrestling ring, which I guess everybody could be arrested then. Any wrestler that ever goes to the ring, they participate in violence. And Dean Malenko brought to justice. The Nitro Girls, they do push-ups on the ramp. Then we get another Nitro Party plug. It's sponsored by Mug Root Beer. Have you ever had a Mug Root Beer? I have not. We're gonna have to do, we're gonna have to indulge in that one day. I believe that's still. I, I, I think they're still making that. Then we get another superstar on this show, Johnny Swinger. Johnny Swinger, a good fr- <laughs> a good friend of mine. Oh, of course. I, I've got his phone number. I can call him right now. Do you remember Mr. Swinger's promo by any chance here? If you don't, I'll just skip it because I didn't write it down. I do remember his promo. He's uh, basically letting people know who he is. Okay. He says, I'm Johnny Swinger. And that he is the next big thing. Wow. And you better tune in. Well, no one's ever said that before. And you better stay tuned. You better zone in. You better whatever. Because here he comes. Johnny's. You know, Swinger's a great guy, though. Oh, of course. Here we go. I'm dead serious. Swinger's a great guy and had an unbelievable career. One of the few that actually had success not only in WCW, but WWE and ECW. So, uh just a little shout out there to Johnny. He's going to take on Chavo Guerrero Jr. Well, he's going to take on Chavo Guerrero, who's out in a helmet and he's got scissors in his hands. Ed Leslie, who was featured earlier, the disciple. I bet he was in the backstage either pissed off or extremely proud <laughs> that Chavo Guerrero Jr. is picking up the cutting hair mantle. By the way, future Bosley hair plug endorser Chavo Guerrero Jr. <laughs> has a haircutting gimmick. Very odd. He's going to take on Johnny Swinger. Swinger is now a trainer, by the way, at Rick Steiner's Wrestling School in Georgia. Yes. Chavo hits a tornado DDT, and the Swinger is swung and defeated in one minute and 57 seconds. Chavo then cuts the two tiniest pieces he can of hair off of Johnny Swinger. He calls out Uncle Eddie and says, this Sunday at Bash at the Beach. Hair versus hair. Hair versus hair. Which both of them need a haircut, but Eddie really should have lost this match because that mullet (laughs) had to go. Spoiler alert, Chavo lost the match. Yes. We get a Goldberg highlight. They were splicing in these highlights all night, so I probably missed a couple, but this highlight is, oh, breaks my heart. He defeats Glacier. In this particular highlight. That was number 50. Yeah, but he actually wrestled... I, I'm i pretty sure he wrestled Gold, uh, He wrestled Glacier. Goldberg must have wrestled Glacier. Out of this 108 wins, probably four or five of them were all from Glacier. Either yeah. on Thunder or they on... Teamed, Nitro- they teamed him and Glacier up quite a bit. Yes. We go back to... For, for house shows, too, actually. Not to interrupt. Proceed. Yeah. We go back to Goldberg's dark locker room. This time he's shadow boxing. The old Undertaker shadow boxing thing. It's time for the Dancing Fools. Disco Inferno, Das Wunderkid, Alex Veit, and Tokyo Magnum. What? Yes, what? Not Alex Veit. Ah, oh, uh, I can't do a very good German accent. Alex Veit. They're all out, and they're going to take on Public Enemy, who are, <laughs> yes. who are dressed in yellow Braves jerseys. Yes. Disgusting. Yes. Pandering. I love Public Enemy. No, their theme song's dubbed over too. It is. And it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It's not na 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 na. No. Tokyo Magnum was mainly a hustle wrestler after WCW folded. But then when Hustle went out of business, he just sort of disappeared. So he's retired now. So that's what happened to the 
legend of Tokyo Magnum. Public oh, Enemy. Back to Public Enemy real quick. Yes. Public Enemy. Now, both are, unfortunately, both of them have, have passed. That's correct. Public Enemy, two of the most entertaining guys to watch in a tag team match. Mm. No, man. They were hilarious, man. Plunder, baby. That's all they are. It's just shit Have you seen the one wrestlers. where they're uh, in ECW, the little the little splice where they're they're training uh, Mikey Whipwreck for his ladder match against Austin for the ECW title? No. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, man, dude. And he's sending him, he hangs a six-pack of beer from a uh, tree limb. <laughs> and he's, swear to God, if I'm lying, I'm dying. He sends Mikey up, the. he has him run up there. He runs up the ladder, grabs a beer, pulls it down, gives it. Busts it open, takes a giant sip out of it. Mikey, go. Runs back up, gets another one, comes down, busts it, gulps it. Mikey, go. Through the whole through the whole six pack. By the time Mikey gets back, he is completely passed out. It is the funniest segment you'll ever watch. Paul Heyman, what a genius. Great, hilarious tactic. Hilarious, yes. Good, no. I'll Entertaining see, sometimes. I love public enemy though, man. Public Enemy. Public Enemy do their table spot with Tokyo Magnum, who is rejected by the Dancing Fools. These two losers reject this loser. That's how you know you're a big loser. Yeah, you're pretty bad then, yeah. Especially if Disco doesn't want you. (laughs) Then, when Public Enemy get back in the ring after throwing uh, Johnny Grunge into the table of Tokyo Magnum, so Public Enemy get back into the ring, and then write Alex Veidt, I just fight. And Disco Inferno return with trash cans, so they're going to play Public Enemy's game and bash them over the head with trash lids, and this garbage match is truly garbage, and it ends in five minutes and one second. Glenn Gilberti, real name of Disco Inferno. Really? Yes, Glenn Gilberti. And, uh, but it's, it's pretty bad if Disco doesn't want anything to do with you, so Tokyo yeah. Magnum really Well, should've. do you remember Wolfpack Disco Inferno? I do remember that was bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was. I never understood. I mean, he was okay in the ring, but I never understood Disco. Disco Inferno had a long run for a guy that never was, really held a title. I don't think did he? He was probably a TV champ. At was one he point. TV champ at one point? Okay. Buff Bagwell and Judy. I'm also not to jump ahead. I'm also surprised that he's not one that WWE actually picked up because he can wrestle. And he's a damn good wrestler. Yeah, he did. He did show up in TNA though at one point, didn't he? When when they did the when they did the the uh, the invasion side of it, he WWE said they didn't want him, but they took Buff, <laughs> and they kept and they sent Glenn Gilberti, aka Disco Inferno, to uh, to TNA, forcing him to go there. But I, I don't. That one I really feel like WC or WWE kind of kind of flapjacked on. I well, really, Vince probably saw this promo that Buff cuts here, his babyface promo about. Well, I'm talking. I understand that, but I'm talking about like not not taking Disco. Oh yeah. Well, because Disco could work, man. Yeah, he would have been fine. Disco could really. Disco was a hell of a. I mean, Glenn Gilberti could work, and so I don't understand why. I going back through these old old raw army old nitros. I'm seeing guys where I'm thinking, well, hey, they were there when you know the 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 buyout happened. Yeah, I wonder why in the world WWE didn't pick this guy up. Why did they? Why take this one but not take that one? Yeah, exactly. Because I'm sorry, and I, this is not a shot at Buff whatsoever, but I would take a strong mid card and Glenn Gilberti over a strong. 
main eventer in Buff with so many injuries? Because Buff was really hurting in his WWE run, short short run, had a lot of injuries. But anyway, proceed now. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> Buff shows up in his wheelchair being pushed by his mother, Judy. He gives the babyface promo of his life, which would never materialize this run as a good guy. No. Uh, but they, I actually thought this was the night that they did it where Scott, where Scott Steiner comes out or whatever and they, they reveal that Buff is just still his rotten old self. But no, it's a legitimate uh, babyface return here. Yeah. And he tells the fans how much he loves them and how he couldn't do it without the love of the fans. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and that's... That's and how it is. Judy Judy wills him away, and that's that. So, yeah. So maybe they had an idea, and they they chickened out. They got cold feet about turning Buff into a good guy. It'd be very. I mean, the fans were cheering for him really loudly. So, you know, I didn't understand that either. When they brought when they they broke up Buff Bagwell and Scotty Riggs, the American males, Buff was the standout of the group. Marcus Alexander Bagwell was the standout of the group, and was WCW's Rookie of the Year, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, he really had a lot riding for him. I don't know why in the world all of a sudden it just kind of crap shot on him. They kept sticking him in tag teams for years, and then. See, I love Vicious and Delicious, though. Him and Scott Norton. Him and Scott Norton was a great tag team. And the name itself is great. Yes. But, yeah, I don't, I mean, I would have thought that he would have had a bigger run than what he had, really and truly. Or he should have. Up next is the match that Hulk Hogan booked for us tonight. (laughs) Scott Hall, in his red and black trunks, comes out to the ring. His wolf pack. Even though he's Hollywood. He comes out to the ring. He's going to face Goldberg, who in this entrance we didn't get the uh, march through the back with Goldberg and the security. So here we go. Hall versus Goldberg. Uh, There's a few awkward exchanges in most Goldberg matches there will be, especially a takedown attempt by Goldberg where he tries a leg sweep and a takedown of Mr. Hall and... Hall drops too early or something. and But it's not as bad as when he whips Hall too close to the ropes. Yeah. I, that I, was really bad. I could be wrong here. But uh, I think, and why I hinted at that, I think that Hall was drunk. I just think Hall wanted to make him look like an asshole, and he did. So you don't think Hall was drunk during this? Because there was a lot Probably. of mistakes, man. Well, no, I mean, there was a lot of mistakes. I just think Hall had been off TV for a while. I felt like this was punishment. You're going, oh, yeah, we're going to use you tonight. You're going to come in and lose. None of the other top guys really had to work tonight. No. And so they did that. And, I mean, if I if my job for the day, if I think I'm a big star and my job for the day is to go out there and be the mid-card main event, basically, and put this guy over who can't really wrestle that well, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to give it a good shot. I'm just going to make him look like a fool. Yeah. And, I mean, he doesn't make him look... Terrible. He could have done worse. Yeah. But and especially the way he's laying, even though he his hand he doesn't close fist. Man, he's laying in some big hits on Goldberg. Like yeah, really. St- and after he fucks up too, I noticed that it seemed well, like Bill got pissed at one point in time. Bill really really laid a t- well, two I or three Hall of them in. Was laying them in on him. I didn't yeah. think Goldberg was laying them in on Hall. Bill gave him a forearm that damn near knocked his head off at one point in time. So. That was that was why I was thinking maybe Scott was a little drunk and uh, and because I was thinking the same thing was Scott was kind of laying him in pretty stiff at one point and it 
Yeah, I said it looks a bit like a shoot fight for a second with some of the Hall's slapping of Goldberg and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it did, yeah. Hall gets a backdrop suplex for a two count on Goldberg. Then Goldberg hits some very awkward-looking deep arm drags. Then Hall says, you know what? I need some reinforcements. So, Disciple, Vincent, and I believe Kurt Henning was towing up the rear. They get jumped by Carl Malone and DDP in the aisleway, who have chairs. And they take out the NWO. So Hall goes back to Goldberg, calls for the outsider's edge. He's reversed. This must be one of the most reversed finishing moves in wrestling. It's really rare when you actually see Hall... Hit the outsider's edge, yeah. or the razor's edge, either one. Yeah. yeah. He gets it reversed. We get the spear and the jackhammer and the three in five minutes and 55 seconds. This means that Goldberg gets Hogan. Oh, by the way, this was a U.S. title match. Yeah. Because the ref holds the belt up in such a fashion at the start of the match. And oh, by the way, what would have happened if Goldberg lost this match? Would that mean Hall gets Hogan? Or just there's no main event, we there's go home There's just no main event, we go home now. <laughs> Hall's the U.S. champion. Hall's the U.S. Streak yeah. over. Yeah. Well, Hall would get his revenge on Goldberg down the road one day, I'm Man, afraid. that was ugly too, dude. Do you believe that that was, that was a real taser? Or do you... I think he shocked the shit oh, out of him. Okay, it. sure. I think okay, I, Shockmaster. I think he did. I, yeah. think he did. I believe it. Nitro <laughs> girls are now partying at the announce desk. Tony Schiavone's wearing a suit tonight, by the way. That's what a big night it is for him. <laughs> Juventud Guerrera. He's now working at Starbucks, by the way, Tony Schiavone. Tony is working at Starbucks That's in right. Atlanta. Well, near Atlanta. Which, uh, it's it's right off the interstate. It's that one right off the interstate. I think it's, to... it's Rome. I think it's in Rome, Georgia. I think because he's the minor league announcer for the Braves. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to go buy some coffee sometime. Go buy and ask for an autograph. I'm sure he'll give you one. Juventud Guerrera is out next. He's going to take on Psychosis. Uh, Hoovy on his tights has Hoovy Juice. Hoovy Juice. That's disgusting. That's a really... Hoovy Juice. What does that even mean? That's what, he's, that's what he was known as, was Hoovy Juice. I know, I know. I remember him use it, but that. why would you want to be Juice? You don't want to... Unless your name is OJ. You don't uh, want to be oh, Juice. Oh, yeah, it's funny. But up, up. No, he... Um, just <laughs> because really it starts with a J. I don't know, really and truly. Hoovy gets a clothesline for two. We get big chops and just spinning head scissors. Hoovy goes upstairs and gets a hurricane run off the top rope. Then Psychosis bails outside. Hooventud hits a huge suicide dive. Then Psychosis recovers and returns the favor, hitting a senton off the top rope to Hoovy on the floor. And it looks like his leg just cracked Hoovy in the head on the ground. Ouch. We get a Hoovy driver when they get in the ring. Followed by the 450 and the win in 3 minutes, 17 seconds. Oh, by the way, Raven's flock is marching towards the ring. Kidman and the flock hop in. They attack Hoovy. But then Nitro just cuts away. So we don't even get to see the shooting star, I guess. The seven-year itch is what he would do. Yeah. Or whatever happened. We don't know what happened Which with is this. great, man. I love that name for it. Instead of the shooting star press when he was calling it the seven-year itch. Yeah. It sounded like a really bad STD. It's, it's, <laughs> no, I've heard that it's a reference to heroin, but I always just thought it was because he was dirty. That he's itchy. Because he was always scra- like his he was supposed to mimic a drug addict. Right. And then he's got withdrawals. Right. Which is but I which th- hence why he's in the flock, right? I guess. But then I just thought he was dirty. I just thought all these references because he was dirty. Because he's got itch. He's itchy. He he didn't look like he ever bathed. <laughs> I have wrote down right here though on 
on the side note, uh, your your high flyers, your you know Ray Mysterios and all that. Who was your favorite that came out of WCW? Oh, Ray was the best in his prime before you know. Yeah, he got to the Fed and see, mine's lost La, all his my, knees. Mine's Laparca. I love Laparca. Laparca's not a high flyer though. Laparca was part of the cruiserweights. I know he's part of the cruiserweights. Well, that's what I mean, like cruiserweights. You just liked his chair dance. That, that was did. pretty badass. No, I, I always, I don't know. I just thought Laparca was cool. I also, I loved Psychosis though, too. Just that was a side note. While yeah. We, while we were talking about it, I figured I'd ask you. Both of them very big for cruiserweights, by the way. Yeah. Nitro cuts away and shows a Goldberg highlight where he beat Raven for the U.S. title. So I guess they had all these Goldberg memories in the can. I'm glad that he won this match earlier tonight, or these wouldn't make any sense. Right. Malone and Page, we we see highlights where they are driving an 18-wheeler around across country, I guess, looking for Dennis Rodman. And they recap the whole Malone-Rodman feud, which started in an NBA court, not in a wrestling ring, Patrick. So that's what we have to look forward to at Bash It was Beach. at NBA Game 6 of the... It was game six. Jordan's last game. It was Jordan's last game. Yeah. And they took off like they... They're just polar opposites, you know. Dennis Rodman's pretty much Well, I remember it was a fight for the ball, and it ended up... They just started rolling around on the ground together. Anyway, proceed. Jim Duggan is out next. And then the NWO version of the Giant, who had already quit the NWO once and had come back. But he's some... Why would you... If you got kicked out of a club... You would never come back. Yeah, right? I don't know that that one's one I didn't really understand. The that Giant much. is with NWO Hollywood. I say he's in good shape here, but he does look a lot bigger than when we saw him in 1996. So, yeah. starting to become the Big Show. No more Giant. Giant does his big wiggle bumps in the corner, but Duggan avoids the last one. His swivel hips, his big E swivel hips. Duggan tries to slam the Giant. No such luck. <laughs> then Giant slams him. Giant misses a big elbow. Duggan gets a three-point stance and takes Giant off of his feet. And Jim Duggan tries a leg drop but gets blocked. Choke slam in the win in two minutes and ten seconds. Giant asks for the mic. Oh, no. He cuts a promo on Kevin Green. By the way, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, not Charlotte, North Carolina. The Atlanta Falcons and the Charlotte Panthers, the... Carolina Panthers, are sworn enemies. Right. So what were they expecting here with Kevin Green? I don't know, but Kevin starts charging down yes. the ring. Giant wants a fight with Kevin Green. He's got. He says he's got something waiting for him, a choke slam. So Kevin Green runs down. He spits at the Giant and then clotheslines the Giant over the ropes. And then he gets Duggan's two-by-four stands in the ring. This had no reaction. The crowd didn't know no. what the fuck was going on. Well, a side note. Why did they have – we had – Kevin Green wasn't the only one. It went from Mongo to Kevin Green. They brought in uh, – Then they brought in uh, – Reggie White. Yeah, I was going to say, from Chattanooga's own Reggie White came in. And they did, love football players. They did. Reggie White did, what, three or four matches? Just one. Was it just, just one? one? Yeah, well, he was at WrestleMania 10 in LT's Lumberjacks, if you remember Well, so that. does – so was uh, – Kevin so, Green. Kevin was oh, also. Oh, Mongo was Mongo there? was there, yeah. Oh, okay. It was Mongo, I think. So there. basically everybody that was in that little group, niche group. WCW kinda, said, I have to have you. I got Yeah, I got to use you. If you just show up on a WWF pay-per-view, you Bischoff's going to call you. <laughs> basically. Okay. Malone. Damn. Another pre-tape. Yeah, we, we missed out. Man. Yeah, right? Carl Malone. It's another pre-tape. He promises to be a Rodzilla killer. 
at Bash <laughs> at the Beach. Then Jim the Anvil Neidhart is out next. He's still in his Heart Foundation gear, despite this being 1998. We get a diamond cutter from DDP in the win in 2 minutes, 22 seconds as DDP. And that was pretty much the match right there. I mean, yes. there, wasn't, there was nothing but just that. Then the Wolfpack, NWO Wolfpack, including Wolfpack Sting. Boo! After all that, you just joined the NWO. After all that, Starcade 97 and all, you just turn your back on WCW. What a loser. Sting and Nash are apparently the tag team champions. Nash looks ridiculous in his Tupac bandana. Conan gets to do his little Andale speech. <laughs> Arriba la, Viva La Rasa. La Rasa? I, I can't do it. Viva know? La Rasa. He's bowdy, bowdy, and rowdy, rowdy. That's really all I know. Arriba La Rasa! About Conan. That's all you need to know. People love sing-alongs. It just tells you if you can say the same thing every week on the mic and it's somewhat cool, people love you. hey yo. Yeah, I mean, he, that's all he said. People get excited just to see Hall open his mouth because they know that's how he's going to start. Survey says. They just like predictability. Yeah. And that's what Conan offered. So... Wolfpack, that's all they say. And then Kidman and Sick Boy are walking back out now. You heard that right. Kidman and Sick Boy are going to take on the entire Wolfpack. No, they're not. They're going to take on just Sting and Lex Luger. Well, this match, referee Patrick Young, you really let this one get out of this hand. This was shit. You didn't even <laughs> let them... Ta- the match, you have to have one... One only two men in the ring. That the did, other two that part, never happened. No, it never happened. That never happened. We this a, was like what a minute and a half? No, twenty eight seconds. Twenty <laughs> okay. Stinger splashed to both Kidman and Sick Boy, who are in a corner. Then a Scorpion death drop to Kidman and Luger torture rack Sick Boy, and the match is over in twenty eight seconds. <laughs> To a match that technically never really started because they never they never even rang the bell to start it. Yeah, and well, they just. It wasn't a tornado tag, you know? And that was their night. That's a good night's work there. We go to commercial. We come back. It's time. And, well, before it's time, it's time to show highlights from Goldberg beating Hall. Chances are you probably saw that earlier tonight. The main event, Patrick, sponsored by Master Lock, the official lock of WCW. So the next time you see a guy breaking the lock on WCW, it better not be a Master Lock. That's right. Then, yes, now it is time. This is it. This is the pinnacle. This is the... This is your and my childhood. Well, no, this is the pinnacle of the height of WCW's run. Basically, this is this is my childhood right here, dude. This, I remember this night. I remember standing in the middle of my living room floor. We had green shag carpet. I remember standing in my green shag carpet, Goldberg T-shirt. I was eight years old. My dad sitting in his green leather, yes, green leather, actually pleather recliner, watching this this match and. I still can imagine the entire set of our living room, everything, when I shut my eyes, because this was my guy. It was DDP, <laughs> but then it was Goldberg, and this was it as an eight-year-old. You were, this was... Well, this is it for WCW. This is it, man. I, I think mean, I probably asked to stay up late just so I I usually got cut off from watching wrestling. I had to watch the last hour of these Monday night shows. Yeah. Uh, I had to mute the TV and turn on the closed captioning, but I think for this night, I probably asked permission to stay up and watch it. Did you get to? I probably did, yeah. I Well, I remember seeing it live, so I, I saw it. I don't remember if it was on mute or not, but 
I did see this live, uh, but it was in the privacy of my own room. I yeah. was not in a family of wrestling fans, so I was the only one who found enjoyment in this. Goldberg's music hits. The chants are... I would definitely say they're probably being piped in tonight because... I don't, don't know about that, dude. You don't see a lot of mouths moving. Go back and look at the tape. And also, man. for the chance to continue well after the music stopped, after the match, well, anyway. Doug Dillinger, WCW Security, and a couple of Atlanta finest. It's time. They are going to escort Goldberg to the tunnel. Which, by the way, people always say, oh, well, you know, the security, it was to keep Goldberg protected from himself because he's so crazy. You know, you never, he was smashing his head on the electrical thing it earlier. To, it was to protect other people. From him, escorting him to the ring and back to the locker room. See, I always thought... Because he was that badass. Now, I always thought, because everybody... I remember watching all these, you know, years of... We're two years in with the NWO. Everyone gets jumped on the way to the ring. I always just thought this was just smart. Always get a team of security. (laughs) I didn't think it was because, oh, because Goldberg's going to attack people or, like, he's so intense. I always thought, like, Goldberg's just looking out for himself here, like... He's going right. to make it to the fucking ring one yeah. way or another. Yeah. So I always just thought this was smart. Yeah. I always, this made me think Goldberg was like the smartest wrestler All right. <laughs> because no one else thought of this. All right. All People right. have been getting jumped free. It still happens to this day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you go back and watch the replay of this, as they approach the tunnel, one of the cops had to slightly gently shove Goldberg in the proper direction of the tunnel because he was about to take a wrong turn. Yeah. Which that would have been funny. That would have been like Chris Jericho's bit when he kept getting lost backstage. He comes out. He gets his sparklers pyro, fire-breathing dragon bit. I, I bet that hurts like hell to stand I know, because I, I remember as a kid getting popped with some sparklers. That hurts. I remember being, yeah, a kid on 4th of July getting sparklers, wanting to be Goldberg, and I'll sit there and like, try to touch myself with them no. wet, and I'll be like, oh, shit. Don't need any ar- arm hair then. Yeah. The crowd's completely on their feet. We go to break with the crowd's alleged chance going. This is why I think they were piped in, because we take a commercial break when he gets to the ring. Then Hogan is out next, which... He's playing guitar to his dubbed over theme. They don't they won't pay for Voodoo Child on the network, so we get the NWO Hollywood theme and See, he's I don't strumming the guitar. Why. I don't understand why. Well, because this actually makes this would be expensive to license out. WCW bought the rights to use it. All you're doing well, is playing they, playing the old They leased it, you know, they Okay. Alright, proceed. So he's playing guitar to his dubbed over theme, and then he looks in the camera and he says, He's gonna kick Goldberg's he pauses, and then he says, But. Because <laughs> he remembers. He's on Turner Network Television, where they don't let you say the word ass. He comes out alone, surprisingly. <laughs> I was shocked, too. The NWO really <laughs> let him down. What an idiot. Even yeah. Bischoff. He yeah. usually had Bischoff with him at yeah. the very least. Yeah. So he comes out alone. He's deciding to fight this man we who's had 107 wins. Yeah, no Elizabeth. No Elizabeth. No, no Vincent. No, yeah. No Ted. This is bad strategy. Yeah. He's a little overconfident here, I'm afraid. He didn't want to fight the match earlier. Now he's so confident he's going to win. He doesn't need any of the NWO. I got this, brother. Stay back here and drink a beer. He tears off the shirt. The pythons are out. I said, this man tans a lot. He <laughs> is looking very African-American compared to Goldberg. <laughs> Our referee for this match is Charles Robinson, who... Does some things that annoy me about this match. Little Nate. Little Nate. The crowd cheers at the bell, Tony Schiavone claims. They lock up. We get a side headlock applied to Hogan from Goldberg. 
Then a shoulder block takes Hogan down. He cowers in the corner because he's scared. Hogan gets the front chancery. Then Goldberg powers Hogan into the corner. Bobby says that if Hogan gets a win over Goldberg, it will destroy the sport. Pro wrestling will end as we know it if Hogan wins this match. <laughs> so it's a... It's not a retirement match. It's a sport-destroying match for the world title here. I would believe that. We get a test of strength as Goldberg flexes and roars into Hogan's face. Hogan gets to the ropes to break it up. We get the back rake, your favorite move. And oh, then the belts coming second, off. Sorry, second favorite move. The belts coming off. The weight belt. Hogan's well, foreign object that never got him DQ. Well, how the hell is that not? Yeah, yeah. I say Hogan's already out of moves now because <laughs> he's got the weight belt off. Back rack or the rack? He back rake and in, in the 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 weight belt and uh, Goldberg snatches away the belt and you think, oh yeah, he's Hogan's a, gonna get his comeuppance with that belt. No, he throws he it away. Throws <laughs> it I wish, I wish that he had thrown it into the crowd and that. Because Hogan makes it a point to get this belt back later yeah, in the match. Yeah, and put it back on. Yeah, because yeah. I guess his pants would fall. He knew he was taking that jackhammer. He didn't want his pants to fall down or something. That's so funny. So anyway, Goldberg puts Hogan in a full Nelson, and then Hogan low blows uh, Goldberg to get out of it. Hogan clotheslines Goldberg, and then illegal choke on Goldberg on the mat. And we get a body slam on Goldberg. Then Hogan misses a few elbows. Then Goldberg gets up. And hits the lightest, the world's lightest clothesline on Hulk Hogan, which causes Hogan to bail to the outside. He says, ah, oh, forget this match. But really, he's just saying, hold on, let me put my weight belt back on. He walks around to the ring to find it. Yeah. Puts it back on. Yeah, and then gets back into the ring. Hogan's sucks chants are very lightly heard here. We get knees to Goldberg in the corner, and then Hogan throws Goldberg out of the ring. He goes and gets a chair. Hits Goldberg with a chair. But Charles Robinson lets it go, and he hits him again. So he's really testing this ref, and Charles Robinson is ignoring the rules. Kudos to Charles Robinson. No, no, no. You can't have it both ways, For not wanting to throw this match out. Whatever. Okay, Tony, (laughs) Shivani. You get a body slam to Goldberg, a big leg, a second big leg. That's it. It's over, brother. Kurt Henning, we cut away. Kurt Henning is walking out, but then DDP and Carl Malone, just like they, the, the NWO saw this happen earlier. But didn't learn. And DDP and Malone follow him to the ring. We miss the two count. We miss Goldberg kicking out of these big legs. Yes. But he did. But so you, the, you you have Henning standing there at the side of the ring. Yeah. Malone comes up, turns him around. Malone hits him with the diamond cutter. Which thrills Bobby Heenan. Yes, Carl Malone knows how to use the diamond cutter. But this is what I love. From this point on is... This distracts Hulk Hogan. From, from this point on is history in the making. Oh, the crowd goes wild here. crowd goes freaking nuts. Goldberg's down in the stance in the corner. Hogan's like, wait, what? <laughs> Stutter steps, turns around. Bam! Hits a spear. The lightest spear in the world, by the way. Yeah. Then. But then you, you hear, I mean, oh man, you hear Bobby calling, finish him, finish him. Your career Do is it, on, kid. Your career's on line, finish him. His boys Okay, there's part one. Now finish him off. Finish him off. He's calling for it. This is it. This is it. Your career's on the line here. Do it! Do it! This place only went when he picks him up. He's got him up! Oh, hell yeah! One, two, three! Thank you! 
Picks him up, hits the jackhammer, pins him. One, two, three. Yes. Goldberg defeats Hulk Hogan and is now dual U.S. and world champion, 8-11. By the way, what I meant to say about Charles Robinson, his exaggerated things here at the end is what really bothers me. Not that he misses those calls earlier in the match, but when Goldberg picks him up for the jackhammer, Charles Robinson gets down on one knee and puts his puts his hands up in the air like, oh, like this, like, look at yeah. there. I just hate that shit. Just do, just stand there. Playing into it. But then he gives him the fairest three count in the history of the world. Like, yeah. this was not a Nick Patrick No, this bullshit. was straight. This was... The st- nicest three. This was... <laughs> there was no fair. arguing this this count at all. And it, uh, but man, when they hit that three... Yeah, the place explodes. The place went nuts. So, uh... Goldberg stands on the turnbuckles and poses... Goldberg chants with no music will close the show out. Goldberg chants with no music. Goldberg doesn't know how to hold this belt, by the way. He never holds it properly. No, so. it was held. It was held reverse. Like <laughs> but it's I, like upside down and backwards. I remember for Christmas this year, or this the ninety-eight the same year for Christmas, I got uh, I finally got Goldberg pajamas, and it had this logo or it had this image on the shirt of him on the the second rope holding both belts. It was uh Well, I wish they had Photoshop so they could have put that belt the right way. I think they did, actually. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a uh it's historic, man. It was the biggest nitro in WCW history. Yeah. So when he wins too, he gets there's Pyro going off over the ring and then to very the very last shot you see of the show though is him standing in the entryway with yeah. all the pyro, all the sparklers going off. Yeah. That's a really great shot. Yeah, and and Tony's last words here is, "Good night, Goldberg's the champ." And so it goes. And WCW was going to be here to stay. Nothing could go wrong. Nothing could sink this ship. Nope. So what did you think of this episode of Nitro? Uh, it was a standard Nitro. It's <laughs> <laughs> two matches that you. It was a standard. The two Nitro. Goldberg matches, which people forget, this Hall match even existed on the show. Yeah. When history is, uh, you know, when WWE revisits this, it's always. He wrestled Hogan, and that's the end of the story. Yeah. it. They, uh, they made him work twice. One of the problems I have with the show now, I don't know what all the situations were with injuries or who's in Japan or what's going on, but some of the talent that's not wrestling tonight on this show, like there's no Benoit, there's no Guerrero, there's no Bret Hart, Kevin Nash didn't wrestle. He showed up, but he didn't wrestle. I mean, the list goes on with the amount of talent they had. I mean, there's no... They could have made this a really good Nitro. British Bulldog. Yeah. Who might have... No, he gets injured later on in the year. So, yeah, I mean, instead we get Johnny Swinger, you know? Instead we get multiple editions of The Flock. This was one of the best nights for The Flock. Yeah. As far as being on TV. I, I didn't... I I didn't understand The Flock gimmick, really and truly. I thought it was a... Like, even now I'm kind of skeptical It's kind of like the Wyatt it. family. Well, even now I'm kind of skeptical of it. I, it was it. It was it 
put together as to like try to take on the NWO or was it put together just as a hey we're just a group of gross looking guys yeah they can't shower and shave and all that so I mean yeah I, 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 I don't I, I there was never any culmination of what the flock they was. never feuded with another group no they were just they there. fought among each other most of the time <laughs> yeah it was always someone quitting the flock yeah like uh Saturn Saturn and uh did Scotty Riggs not sick boy but Van Hammer, Van I mean, Hammer. He feuded with them, so they would join, and then they. Then would out just... of nowhere, you had Reese. Reese was one of the biggest ass sons of bitches I've ever met. Or right, seen. Yeah, he's he was guy. like what seven two, seven three. Yeah, but he was garbage. So well, just stick him was... in the flock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it never went anywhere. They were prominently featured here. They didn't even have ringside. Usually, they're sitting in the crowd. They didn't yeah. even bother with that tonight. Well, they so... weren't giving away those tickets. Oh no! Tonight. Yeah, I had yeah. to sell those. Yeah. <laughs> they got scalped. Yeah. They, they should have done a segment where Ravens Flock scalps their tickets to shows they know are going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, I on a rating scale, let's just do a rating scale. Hornswoggle, Giant Gonzalez. I'm giving Ooh. mine. I'm giving mine a Ray Mysterio. Wow. Just because, and that's sad to say, dude. But really and truly, there was only one match on this card that was actually memorable. Well, and it was only memorable because it was of the people involved and that it was a title match. It wasn't like, yeah. wow, oh my God, all the spots in this match, you just got to watch it. Yeah. Like, It's no like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe or whatever, you right. know, it's just a random. It's not a match known for its match quality. It's just a match with historic implications or whatever. This is a, this is a very tough, it's just like King of the Ring 98. It's a one, to me, it's a one match show, even though you love Al Snow versus See, too I, much. I love that's a great match, man. That's a great game. Well, I'm not gonna I'm gonna give this one <laughs> in honor of the combatants featured on this show, I will give this show a Scott Putsky. Okay. Yeah. Alright. It's artificially inflated, like Scott Putsky. Oh. It doesn't oh. make me want to watch Bash at the Beach though. Do you know who the number one contender for the title in four days turned out to be at Bash at the Beach in six days? Who? Kurt Henning wrestled Goldberg at the pay-per-view. The guy that got jumped in the aisle way is the was one somehow that... the number one contender by Sunday. All right. <laughs> I don't understand that one. But you had this pick. So now I have this week's. Yes. Where would you like to torture us this week? All right. So you picked the biggest... WCW Nitro ever in history. I am picking the biggest WCW pay-per-view ever in history. Oh, and the biggest blunder. And you, so you talked about it earlier, so we're going to go ahead and stick with it. Starcade 1997. Yes. Sting and Hogan, the showdown. Sting wants Hogan. This was Carry a... Carry that sign. J.J. Dillon, what do you want, Sting? The last, I, I dare say, it's the last year... Long buildup of a match. Well, other than that WrestleMania 27 we went to where The Rock and John Cena were going to meet a year later. Okay, well, that was garbage. An actual wrestling match. By the way, this night should have been the last night ever for NWO. This should have ended the end. Like, they... Hogan should have wrestled the Carl Malone DDP match on Sunday and then broken up the NWO on the next Nitro. Because they cost... They cost Hogan the belt here. Because they didn't come out and help. 
not only that, but Scott Hall, and he says it that that next week or whatever, that Scott Hall dropped the ball. He wouldn't have even had to wrestle Goldberg if Scott Hall got the job done. So is that why? Is that how Hall ended up in in the uh, Wolfpack then? Maybe. I think so. Is he got kicked out of NWO Black and White and? Gotcha. May, maybe, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm with you. This should have been the end of the NWO. It already been two years. Bash of the Beach '96 to '98. That's a good. They should have killed. That's it. a good run. They should. But they just it right didn't there. know when to stop. Yeah, they should. They wanted to milk right that there. thing dry. I mean, you had the red and black was, and it, was doing real well. Wolfpack was was doing great, but and uh, if it didn't end tonight, it should have ended at Starcade '97, yeah. when Sting took on Hulk Hogan. I wonder who will prevail. I hope the ending's not controversial and no, would that be controversial? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it really it pains them to book a clean finish. WCW is the most resistant company to ever book. A clean finish in this era of wrestling. You want to know why? The truth? Cause, yeah, because they didn't want to lose. No. Because they gave too many people... Too much power. Too, too much, much power. So. Yeah. And, well, listen here, brother. If I'm going to lose, I've got to have some sort of a, 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 a run-in or a, a, a smudge or something. I can't lose just one, against one man. Ultimate Warrior better show up, brother. That was bullshit. Let, now we're on there. Let's just freaking talk about it. They brought in the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. They went months, months building up to that Halloween Havoc just to have him lose. Hell, even when Popper came back, Popper beat him. <laughs> I mean, shit. So, I mean, it's just, it made no sense to me whatsoever as to why even waste the time or the effort of bringing in Jim Hellwig, the Ultimate Warrior. Because Hogan wanted to beat him. Because Hogan thinks this thing is real. Hogan believes wrestling is. You know, and and I've I've. You got thirty million dollars this week. Congrats. He's, he's he is he's Docker. He's a great guy. I'm not knocking him at all. What I am Except saying. That's what he said about black people wasn't too good. But what that's I okay. what I well. We have all at some point in time said things we didn't mean. <laughs> okay. Get over it, people. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but. With that being said, as it as it relates to his wrestling career, he's just a little too what's the word I'm looking for? Over anxious, like he's afraid somebody's going to take his spot. He's afraid somebody was going to take his. You know, he he didn't want to give that rub like the guys like Terry Funk did or Ric Flair. And and that really, I think that that's a question mark or an asterisk beside his his career as to well, you could do business, yeah, but he you, doesn't love wrestling. Can you not do business to help the business be here once you're not? You know what I'm saying? He puts himself above the the business, right? Well, so. we can go. Believe me. We can go on for weeks about Hulk Hogan on, in many different aspects of his dealings in the pro wrestling world and otherwise, but we've already been chatting for nearly two hours, so we, we're going to have to wrap this one up. But. So, Starcade. Starcade 97. That's right, Sting Hogan. That's where we're going. And Nash Giant, maybe, but I, I think Nash is having some heart troubles. He's, he, might, he might be calling in sick to work on this. Biggest day in company history, so we'll see. Until then, until next time, Starcade 97. As always, I'm Intern Alex. 
And I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying? My closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. Thank you. It was crazy when Atlanta found out that Goldberg, their hometown guy, was going to wrestle Hollywood Hulk Hogan on live TV at the Georgia Dome where Goldberg used to play football. That was huge. This was like the Super Bowl. It was like WrestleMania. 106 people going at Goldberg's feet. Hogan, after a spear and a jackhammer, you're going to be 107. Goldberg! I am going to kick Goldberg's butt. The intensity that night was electric. I think the fans came there knowing what was going to happen, and they realized that they were going to watch this guy that they had seen for so long become a big star, finally get his due. It was quite a moment. It really was a big moment. Here I am, scared The reality is, I was in a pretty good situation. I was going out, following the lead of the best guy in the business. Hogan made me look like a million bucks.